0: Tell us what your name is. My name is Lauren Freeman. And this is Shelby, my precious wife, Sherry. And this is Shaley Grace. And she acts up tonight, y'all, please forgive her. Amen. She knows not what she does. Amen. But she's trying real hard. Well, about five months ago, five months ago, um, a fellow from a church that we had just left handed me one of this man's tapes here. And I began to listen to it, and of all the things that that fellow could have handed me, it was unforgiveness one. And if any of you haven't yet listened to that, I guarantee it will change the way you think about the Word of God. And I just praise Jesus for having that opportunity to listen to that, and not only to listen to it, but to learn it and to get it in my spirit. Because... Not long after, after I got that tape, my wife called me at work. I, live, I work in Addison in a bank building, and we live in south of the Metroplex, about 21 miles. And she called me. She said, something's wrong with Shelby. And obviously, I wasn't there to see what was going on, and my mom was called, and she rushed her to the doctor's office, and he did whatever the doctor does. She had an allergic reaction to something. And i don 't know how to describe it then because I didn 't see it. was it the same as what I saw? okay, great big blistered whelps all over her over her little face, her back, her neck, and legs and everything. And like I say, I did not see it i didn 't get a chance to see it that time because my wife, my mother my wife called my mother and mother her to the hospital okay uh, about three and a half weeks after that. Well, I have to tell you this, when I come home. From work, My girl, it's party time. Daddy's home. We play. And we went back in the playroom, and I was playing with her, and one of her favorite things is to get chicken right there. And I got tired and wanted a drink of water, and I went to get me a drink of water, and I went to through the kitchen, and Shelby followed me around in the living room while I was doing what I was doing, and Sherry hollered at me and said, something's wrong. Or whatever it was, the tone, I don't really know what she says, but when your wife has a certain tone, you come and run in. That tone was on, and I run in there, and in just minutes, this baby had on her face these great big old Horrible-looking blisters. It looked as if someone had injected with a needle under the skin enough to raise a blister the big as the end of your... And there's about 10 or 15 on them. It was deforming her face. And it was going on her chest and on her back. I stripped her down to her panties. And it went on. It was all over her. Well, the doctor had given us a prescription, as doctors do. And dutifully, I went... And I filled that prescription. I had no idea what it was. I brought it with me, and I just want to step back over to get. If any of you do not know what this is, this is an instrument. This is an instrument of hell. I'm standing there looking at my little baby, and her bottom lip's quivering, and she's crying, and she's scared to pieces. This right here is an EpiPen. The instructions clearly say on this instrument to jab it into their thigh, and it will inject this epinephrine because she's having an allergic reaction. Her, her breathing is raspy, and she's looking like something out of a horror film. And I'm reading the instructions on this, and it says at the end of it, seek a medical attention. Immediately take this person to the hospital. And I looked at this, and I looked at her, and she's standing there, And she would have let me jab this into her thigh. She looked at Daddy and she said, Daddy, I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it, Daddy. It's okay. (laughs) We just pray. That That broke my heart, people. I threw this across the room, and I had been learning this, and I believed it with all of my heart. And we sat down on our left seat with this baby before us, and before we laid hands on her, she and I prayed. We asked the Lord to forgive us of our sin and our shortcoming, and we asked Him to uh, bless our family and we stood there and accepted that forgiveness that's a big part of this because if you really don't accept it if you really don't think, if you still think I'm just a filthy sinner saved by grace, you ain't got it because right then in that moment, she and I were washed clean as white as snow. And I put my hand on her shoulder and she put her other her other hand on this other shoulder and we prayed for this baby and within less than three minutes everything was gone off of her and she's never had a problem with it since. <laughs> it was
1: Praise gone. the Lord.
0: Thank you, Jesus. I just want to thank the King. I want to thank the uh, ministry that's on this man's heart and he's a treasure of God for us all. And I share Everything I can about this ministry with everyone I come in contact with. It'll just stop for a minute. They hear about
1: it, and you won't never be the same, will you? I absolutely, absolutely not. Praise <laughs> 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 God, brother. Woo. Yeah. Whenever he came to church that time and told me about this, I told him. I said, "Wow, you've got to get your family here, and you've got to tell this testimony. It's so awesome." When you get your sins repented of, when the devil attacks at your house, the Lord says, how much power do we have over the devil? All All power, and he has none. So why is it that we, every time the devil seems to attack us as Christians, why is it that we run down to the doctor's office instead of going to Dr. Jesus? Good question, isn't it? Well, it's because we don't know. That's why. Because we, unfortunately, I will have to say, us as Christians, we are a, as a rule, we are a bunch of lazy wimps. We're not willing to spend the time in God's Word. We'd a whole lot rather be sitting there watching something like the Daniel family. Or the book of Daniel on NBC instead of studying God's Word. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I got tickled a while ago when I was talking to my friends over here and, and their wives. I said, you know, I guess you might call me when she looked at my belt. She, I said, you know, I'm just a, I guess I'm just a religious fanatic. And she said, Oh, Thurman, as long as I have known you, you have been a religious fanatic. Praise God, Rosemary, what a way to be known. I'm glad you know me as a religious fanatic. But that's, that's the way I've been for years. In fact, whenever I left Lakeland Baptist Church, where they I don't know if you all still go to Lakeland, you still do. I went there for years and years, served with David as a deacon and everything else. With well, a lot of men there as deacons. But when I left there, Al, one of the guys that was, a, I think Al was a little older than me, he had already retired anyway, but anyway, it doesn't mean anything, but He came to me and told me, he said, Thurman, there's a lot of people in this church come and go, and I'll never remember them. But he said, I'll say one thing about you. I won't never forget you. (laughs) He said, you have definitely been a unique person. And I said, well, all I do, Al, I just believe in serving God. And he said, well, you certainly do that. And he said, I'm going to miss you. And he said, I will never forget you. Well, let me tell you, I don't care if you remember me, but don't forget our Jesus don't forget him serve him walk holy before him and when you do if you'll believe him and his word he will do great and mighty things just like this couple whenever he stood on God's word you notice the first thing he did he had he had some unforgiveness in his life and he heard that tape of unforgiveness and he got right with God and the people so when he got his unforgiveness taken care of, he took away the devil's legal claim to his child. Because, see, as long as he walked in unforgiveness, he kept a door open to the devil, to his children. Absolutely. So when that devil wants to come to his house, he came to his house. And he afflicted and tormented his precious little five-year-old. People say, the devil, he wouldn't do nothing like that. Oh, yes, he will. He loves it. When he gets legal right to you or your children. In fact, he'd rather hit your children than you. Because he knows that hurts you when your children are suffering. So if he gets legal right through unforgiveness, guarantee he'll hit those children. He'll do all kinds of things. But when you get your sins repented of, and you start walking holy before God, and you do what he says, then you can do exactly what he did. You can throw away the medicine. You can lay your hands on your child and make sure every sin repented of and you can rebuke that devil and command him to get his hands off of your child. And in, what did he say, three minutes, all them blisters were gone off of that little child. Isn't that amazing? When the devil leaves, how quick we get healed. Amazing. Praise God. That's all I can say. Well, tonight we're going to continue on. We're in a series. Uh, we're talking about walking in the God kind of divine love. And this is, this is why so much of the church never sees God do a miracle. It's because they do not walk in this God kind of love. Now then, I've got to tell you a little story about a man that this is a story, true story, told me this himself, just very recently. He's about my age and his wife, and they've been married about 43 years. But he said three years ago, he was in church, he was studying the Word of God, and they live out in West Texas or New Mexico, somewhere out there. And he says, I'm reading all these promises in God's word that you never hear taught in church. You know, about ask God anything and he'll do it. You have power over the devil. He said, I never, no church I ever went to ever taught these things. So he said, I see in the book of Acts where they're walking in power. They're casting out demons. They're healing the sick. They're doing all these things. And he said, Lord, why is it? that we don't see anything like that in the church today. What's wrong with us? It's got to be something. He said, God, I will do anything to walk where you want me to walk. Anything. Now, how many of you know when you make a statement like that, God's listening? He said, the next morning, I said, I went to bed that night, felt normal. Said so the next morning I woke up and said, my wife of 40 years at that time, because uh, now they've been married 43 years, he said forty years she made a statement to me and it just lit me off. Now how many of y'all ever had your wife say something to you and made you angry? I know none of y'all besides me have ever done that. Okay. Now, well, I got a few hands, go got a few oddest folks besides me and Bill. I mean <laughs> me and Dot. But anyway, he said it made me mad. And he said later on she made another statement and I got madder. And he said every time she said something, it's like I couldn't control myself I got madder and madder. And by the middle of the afternoon, I just threw up my hands. She made a little simple statement. I threw up my hands and said, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving you, woman. Been married to her 40 years now. He said, she said, well, we only got one car. What are you going to leave in? He said, the bicycle. I got a 10-speed bicycle outside. I'm going to leave on the bicycle. She said, where are you going? He said, north. I don't know, but north. I'm just getting out of here. He said, I have never been that angry in my life. He said, I got on that bicycle and I rode that bicycle 50 miles. 50 miles, he's 63 years old at that time. Read that bicycle, 50 miles that I got nearly to Denton, and I was so tired, I pulled off the side road, said, I'm, the more I think about this, the madder and the more I'm fuming. And he said, it's adrenaline pumping that's causing me to keep going. He said, I pull off the side road, I'm so exhausted, I fall over on the ground under a tree in an ant bed. Oh. And I feel a man's crawl around on me, and he said, I'm so dog tired, I can't even get up. And he said, all of a sudden, I hear this wonderful voice. He said, you failed your test. You said you'd do anything to walk with me. You failed your test. Oh, is he in trouble now? Now he knows that the devil had been turned loose on him. He now knows that demon of anger that he's had. He yielded to that thing every time his wife said something. He let that demon. Can't you just see that now? His lovely wife would make a statement to him. And when he would, that demon would say, just get her. You know how these devils are, right? Just get her. What is, who does she think she is? And he yielded to that devil. So he said, I got up and I walked across the street to a 7-Eleven, pushed a bicycle thinking, oh God, Lord, did did I make a statement I would do anything? And he said, I have miserably failed my test. He said, oh God, would you please forgive me? He said, now how am I going to be reconciled to my wife? You know, what am I going to do? He said, I can't believe I've done this. So he said, I get over. He said, oh God, it's nearly getting dark and I'm 50 miles from home and I'm on this bicycle. He said, have I been a fool? So anyway, about this time, he said, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, a man and his wife pulls in. And they said, what are you doing out here? And he said, "Well, I guess I might ask you the same thing. What are you doing here?" He said, "Well, my wife and I was on the way down to see you and your wife." And we just thought we'd stop in here and get us something to drink. And we so full we get there. And he said, "Well, now that you're here, uh, are you going home?" He said, "Yeah, I'm. I'm headed home." He said, "Well, why don't you just get in your car? We'll follow you." He said, "I don't have a car. I'm on a bicycle." He said, what in the world are you doing 50 miles away from home on a bicycle? He said, it's a long story. <laughs> so he says, the guy said, okay, throw your bicycle in the back of the pickup and we'll take you home. Now, is God merciful? Yeah. After all this stupid stuff he's done, God sends a friend by with a pickup to haul him and his bicycle back home so he don't have to walk or ride that bicycle back home. He said, I got home, walked in, and told my wife how sorry I was. And, of course, she was with him when he told me this story. And she said, he's been a different man since that day. He said, I walked out in the backyard after my friends left, and I took authority over this demon of anger, and I got violent with him. I said, you devil of hell, you're going to leave me, and I ain't never going to do this again. And she said, in the last three years, you can't hardly make him mad. It don't make no difference. What happened? You can't hardly make him mad no more. Guess what? He got rid of a spirit. That he had been carrying around for years, and he cast that beast out of himself. Now then, when we have the problems, we need to read the word and realize if we're not in total control, it's a demon that's messing with us, and as Christians, they technically have been defeated and have no power over us, and we need to repent of our sins and kick them devils out just like he did for his little child back there. When him and his wife repented of their sins and he laid hands on that little girl, he said, after they rebuked that devil and prayed for her, in three minutes, he said that little girl was completely healed, and he said she ain't had it again since then. And that's the good, and she ain't going to have it no more either, is she? Isn't and and that wonderful, Billy? That's wonderful. Now, see, that's what you can do. That's what you can do. You know, I mean, I, I think about. How many people that I've known that since they get a hold of these things have stood on these things just like this? And some of them have received their healing instantly. And, of course, as I've said many times, since Cheryl and I got married, the Lord has spoiled her rotten because almost everything I have prayed for, for almost, there have been a couple of little things... But nearly every time you pray for your wife, when she gets instantly healed, every time she has a problem, she comes running to you. Yeah. And then here a while back, whenever she come in with the bumps on her face, and when we pray for those, and they were still there the next morning. You know what she had the audacity to say to me the next morning? She walked up to me and she says, them things are still here. Did you sin or something? <laughs> Did you sin? God didn't hear your prayer. You prayed for me and I didn't get healed last night. But see, when you pray for your wife and God instantly heals her, all of a sudden she don't get healed. She's, well, she only got one place to put the blame, and that's on you, right? Absolutely. Are you still walking in love, or did you do something wrong that I don't know about? Well, it's. I had to say, no. I said, no, I'm walking as best I know how. I hadn't changed a thing. I'm still walking in love. So we continued to pray, and we just about got that devil whipped, too, hadn't we, honey? We just about got it whipped, so... The Lord lets us know sometimes that he don't do miracles all the time. He does healings. He does healings, but he heals us or he delivers us. And just like as as I talked to Dave Rosenfeld today, when you see Dave and his testimony, and if you haven't heard his testimony, he gave it here a short while back, and it must have taken 45 minutes with pictures, and it's awesome. We did it, hooked it in where we can put it right on the tape. We had it up here on a big deal. But we had it hooked in back here, too, where we could put it right directly on the tape. So you're talking about some graphic pictures, but it's good. Some people said they thought it was too graphic. But I looked at it, and I said, people need to know what the devil does to a human being. You need to see that. In fact, it was better on the TV than it was up here the day we saw it. You could see it far more detail. So if you haven't viewed his testimony and saw what he done, Sickness is satanic, satanic Oppression. That's the title of the DVD and CDs. Well, praise the Lord. <clears throat> you know, you need to realize that God is the healer, and he has given us power over the devil. And the thing you've got to realize, you've got to walk in love if you want it to work. You've got to walk in love. Now then, let's go on in this walk in love. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you and praise you for this evening. I thank you for these wonderful testimonies we've heard. We give you praise and glory because you're the one that wrote the book and we're so grateful that you have given us the revelation on the Word of God that we can take this Word and we can act on this Word and we can see you do great and mighty things. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you. Life has become so much fun as I have learned how to walk in this and walk in divine health and to think that tomorrow and the next day and the next... I don't even have to be concerned about waking up with sickness and disease. I know that you're my healer, and the devil knows it, and you know I know it. And so, Lord, by faith, you promised me that if I'd walk in obedience to your word, and I'm doing everything I know how to do to do that, you said you promised me that you would keep sickness and disease away from me. So, Lord, I want to thank you that I will never have to be sick again, because I'm going to walk in obedience to your word by faith. Thank you, Father, for the word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now then, we're going to start tonight in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. And I want you to see, this is the most important thing that you need, one of the most important things that you need to learn. A lot of people don't realize that if you don't have faith or knowledge of the Word of God to stand on, you cannot receive something by faith that you don't know. And then, you, if even after you know it and have it hidden in your heart and memorized, it still won't work for you unless you put another ingredient with it. And this is the ingredient. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it clearly tells you what that ingredient is. It says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. Now then, what if you don't have love? What if you're not walking in the God kind of love? Guess what? Your faith won't work. Now, what if you are walking in love, but you don't study the Word of God, and you don't know what the promises are? It still won't work. You cannot receive something by faith, even though you may be walking in the God kind of love, if you're not studying the Word, hiding the Word in your heart, then you can't have faith. Because faith is the Word of God. Faith, Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So if you don't have the Word of God hidden in your heart, and you're not walking in love, forget it. The promises are not going to work for you. Your unbelief will overcome you, and you will not get to see God do very many, very significant answers to prayer. He may do a few little things for you just to kind of whet your appetite. But if you really want to see God do some wonderful things, you do everything he says. I mean, when you do everything he says, wow, you get to see God answer your prayers in a big way. And that's when life becomes fun. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, we're going to go to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. It's some very, very good stuff in these books of 1 John. It is an awesome book. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. For God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, what if you're a Christian and you're not dwelling in the God kind of love? Then God is not going to dwell in you. And without God dwelling in you, he says, without him, you can do nothing. Nothing. I mean, so when you pray, nothing happens. I mean, you can't be living in the world lusting after the thing, watching the soap operas. Let me tell you, they won't ever have to worry about me watching NBC's program. Because I don't waste my time watching that stupid television anyway. I don't watch nothing on television, except once in a great while, when there's some special news something that happened, I may turn on the news channel. Once in a while, if I'm somewhere where they have a, a satellite, or whatever you want to call it, or whatever... Where CNN's there, and we've had like the tsunami or whatever you call that thing, or all the floods and the earthquakes, I may turn that on to see what's going on in the world. But just to sit down and watch the news, forget it. I'd rather be sitting in there with my Bible, me and God. I'd rather be dwelling in the King. Because there ain't no power watching that television. You know, I used to like to watch years ago, Charlie Cowdy and the Roadrunner. I got a lot of good laughs out of that when I was a kid, long time ago. It's not just a kid, I was a man. I was an adult. When I was a kid, there was no such thing as television. We didn't have to worry about watching television. But we didn't get one until I graduated from high school. It was a little, it was a black and white one. And so, you know, didn't have to be concerned. You know, I had things to do outside running and playing. So I'd had plenty of things to do and chores to do. And, everything else and so and we've been talking lately about some of the things and and as Cheryl and I talked she learned that I used to do a garden we used fruit trees you know I used to plow and plant fields and and do everything I said good grief on the farm we did everything you know so I mean when you're raised up on a farm you get up milk a cow sure I milk a cow you know I can milk a cow you know I used to have fun milking when the cats had come out there with me I'd grab one of them titties, you know, I'd be pulling that down, in there. one of the cats would be out there, I'd turn that titty sideways. <laughs> Give that cat a drink. You ever done that, Elder? You don't know want them cats that just love that? You know, some of you all, some of you weren't raised up on a farm, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you're raised up on the farm, you know, you've probably done the same thing. But being on a farm's lots of fun. You know, it's lots of fun. It brings you close together in a love relationship with one another. When you don't have television to watch, you got each other to talk to, you know, and life is fun, and, and we had a great time at home. Today, you know, the parents come in, the kids are watching television, they may say hi, you know, but nobody knows you're home because everybody's watching the tube, you know, so, but forget it. I, I, don't, I don't go there. I don't even have time for Christian television hardly anymore. Uh, I've got too many things going, but if I was going to watch it, I would look for something That glorified God, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be watching this other junk that's out there. And whenever they talk about, we can't talk about homosexuals and perverts and all that kind of stuff, well, let me tell you, I'm going to talk what I want to. You know, I'm going to call sin, sin, you know, and I'm going to tell it just like it is. And I don't care if where the tape goes or who hears it. I want you to know that being a homosexual or a pervert, God loves the person, but he hates the sin. And that sin will take you to the pit of hell and it'll take you into a hot place in hell and you'll burn in hell forever if you don't repent of that sin. Just like every other sin we do. If you don't repent of your sins and straighten your act up and walk with God, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, Paul was talking, when we we're, were right there a while ago, we were in Galatians chapter 5. If we'd have read a little further down in Galatians chapter 5, you'd have found out where he's talking to Christians and he says, he splits these things up between the flesh And the spirit. He says those that are led by the flesh, these are the things you do. And he's talking about lying, stealing, cheating, committing adultery, fornication, perverseness, uncleanness, all those things. And he said, as I've told you before, as I'll tell you again, those that do these things shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. So if you're a Christian and you're living there, if you die, you better enjoy what you're doing because you're going to pay a tremendous price for it. It's going to take you to hell forever. You know, there ain't going to be no liars, thieves, cheats, murderers, homosexuals, and perverts in heaven. You know that? When you become a child of God, he expects you and me to change the way we do business, doesn't he? Yeah, we ain't out there at the bars. We ain't out there lying, stealing, cheating. doing. The, we're walking in obedience to God's word. We're not in the devil's world no more. We're in God's world. You don't see none of the apostles walking out there going to the bars and, and drinking and getting drunk and all that kind of stuff. They're talking against it. Well, you know, if you want to do that and then you want to go to hell, well, you better, think, you better sure enjoy that beer or alcohol or whatever it is you're drinking because if you're going out there getting drunk two or three times a week, God says you ain't going to heaven. But I got washed in the blood. I don't care what you got washed in. If you're still out there lying, cheating, drinking, getting drunk, doing all that kind of stuff, you better really enjoy it. You better really enjoy it. Because if you die in that sin, it's going to take you to hell. You know, I got a, I know a woman. In fact, this woman's a very powerful woman of God today. But when she was 18 years old, she thought she was a Christian. And I don't remember what kind of church she belonged to at the time. I'm not sure. She probably told me, but I'm not for sure. But she'd met a young boy about her age. They were 18 or 19. And they got to going together. And in first thing you know, they moved in together. Now, they both are professing Christians. But yet they're sleeping together and having sex together. And they're sitting at home one day listening to Christian music, of all things. You know, go to church on Sunday you know but they're sleeping together and she goes for a walk and the lord speaks to her in an audible voice and calls her name and said if you die in this sin you're going to hell right. and let me tell you mm-hmm. that little girl went back to the house and told her boyfriend she said we either get married or you don't never touch me ever again because god just spoke to me out there and I thought I was a christian I made Jesus Lord of my life a few years ago in church. But he just spoke to me and said, if if I die in this sin, I'm going to hell. And he said that I ain't going to hell for nobody. So he said, you ain't touching me. Not one more time. If you ever want to touch me again sexually, you're going to put a ring on my finger and marry me first. And then when you do, then I'll go to bed with you. And so they stopped having sex totally, completely. And a little later, that boy married her. And today, her and that boy is still married. Years later. And they've raised their family now. But that girl heard God's voice. Now what if she hadn't heard that voice? What about all the multitudes of people that's doing these sins today thinking, Oh, it's okay, I'm a Christian. No, Paul says you're going to hell if you die in that. So, it ain't worth it. The Lord says himself in his word, What does it profit a man if you gain the whole world while you're here and lose your soul? It ain't going to profit you nothing. Nothing So he says here, and we start about the love of God in First John 4:16, We have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So it's up to you. It's not up to God, it's up to you. If you dwell in Him, then he's going to dwell in you. If you turn your back on him and walk off, he's going to walk off. He leaves it up to you to make the choice. Are you going to walk in love? Are you going to serve God? He's not going to force you to do nothing. But he's going to leave it up to you. So, and then he says, if you'll do that, if if God's love dwells in you and God will dwell in you then. He said in verse 17, herein is our love made perfect. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Hey, you know when you remember when daddy... When you had done something wrong, and Mama was at home with you and said, Son, I mean, you're not supposed to do this, and you go ahead and do it anyway. And she said, You wait till Daddy gets home. I'm going to tell your Daddy what you did. And whenever you hear Daddy drive in, and Mama says, Thurman, come in here to Daddy. And I don't want to go in there. I remember that razor strap last time. Some of y'all may have been unfortunate like me and had a daddy that had a razor strap. I had one. You can't approach him in boldness, can you? There ain't no way you can approach him in boldness. You to approach him in fear, crouch down, because you know that you're guilty. But if you, daddy comes home and you've been a good boy, mama says, daddy's home, you go run into me, daddy. Grab him around the leg, just like my little grandson the other day. He's nearly two years old. I walked in the house, and Tim says, Preston, granddad's here. Man, he come jumping, running over the step, and running up there and grabbed me about both legs, almost tackled me right there. I thought, wow, this is the confidence we have when we know there's no condemnation. That little guy can run up and grab me about the legs knowing I'm going to reach down and get him and pick him up, put him on my shoulder and love him and play with him for a little while. He was looking for that. That's how he could do that. And look at what he says here. Here, I love made perfect that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, as he is... That's what's wrong with the church. We are not walking like Christ in this church, in this age that we're living in. We need to be walking holy, without sin, in the power of the Spirit, just exactly like Jesus did when He was here. That's what we're supposed to be. And there, in verse 18, says, There is no fear in love. When you're walking in love, and you're walking in a God kind of love, and you've got all your sins repented of, You don't fear nothing. You don't fear God, because God's not going to do nothing but good for you. You have no fear. I mean, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Just like I told a person I was ministering to today, out there in the ministry center. This lady said, you know, but I just have this fear about this sickness I have. I said, ma'am, you're not walking in perfect love. I said, you need to repent. Because when you walk in perfect love, there's no fear in perfect love. I said, you know, if you're walking in perfect love, you don't have to be afraid of this sickness. It'll go away. It'll go away. It's got to go away. All you got to do is pray and rebuke this devil. He's got to go away. When you're walking in perfect love, your faith works in perfect love. And there's no fear in perfect love. So walk in love. The Word of God says, if you got fear, you're not walking in perfect love. No fear. You should have no fear. I don't care what happens. You know... You should be able to walk solid as a rock. Wherever you are, every day. Nothing should move you. Nothing. If when you're walking in perfect love, you have no fear. So that's what the word of God says that. Because fear hath torment. Fear has torment. Guess where fear comes from? The devil. Absolutely fear comes from the devil. And the devil is the tormentor. He will absolutely torment the fool out of you. So, but it says, He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So we need to make sure we're walking in the God kind of perfect love so we open no door to that devil. Walk in that perfect God kind of divine love and then you give no place to the devil. And then when you speak in the name of Jesus, he'll show up to do great and mighty things for you. Great and mighty things. And I love it when the king answers a prayer. Don't you, Donna? Absolutely. Makes life really fun, doesn't it? Then he says, verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Well, that's the way it should be. But you know, if you're all messed up and you don't really know if God's real or not, and you say you're a Christian, you need to get in the Word. When people say, "Well, we're we're hoping that they're going to find this certain certain thing, or this certain event's going to happen this year, and this it's going to be so powerful, it's going to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God really is real." Well, hey, there may be some people in the world need that. I don't need that. I know He's real, don't you? I guarantee the king is real. If you want to know God is real, you ought to follow us around for a few days. It wouldn't be no problem after a few days. You see God do the wonderful thing we get to see him do? I mean, it'd be no doubt. That man over there, he knows God's real. Amen. Amen. I mean, whenever he got his sins repentant, he rebuked that devil, and his little daughter was healed in three minutes. He knows God's real. He knows the devil's real, too. Guarantee guarantee that devil he's the one that come to do this to us so you get rid of all those sins of unforgiveness if you're a Christian in the church there should not be one sin of unforgiveness among no Christian none none we should walk in total divine love and when we do that then love is made perfect then it says in verse 20 if a man say this is the word of God now this is not me if a man say I love God and he hates his brother he is a liar. For the for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Every time I read that verse I think about John Lake when he went to Africa. John Lake was a man of faith. How many of you have heard of John Lake? If you hadn't heard of John Lake, if you hadn't read some commentaries about John Lake, You have missed one of the greatest men of God that ever walked on this earth in the last hundred years. But John Lake was such a great man of faith. He was a normal Methodist. And then after his wife got healed and two or three of his family got healed miraculously by John Dowie in California, I mean, he began to realize that there's more to being a Christian than what they taught him in the Methodist church. So he really began to get a hold of the Word of God, started walking in faith, and God sent him to Africa. And when he did, he, sold, he was a very, very wealthy man, and he gave away everything he had to walk by faith. And he had a wife and seven children. And they went to Africa. God bought them tickets on a ship. He got to Africa with no place to live and no money. And before the nightfall, he had a beautiful home, big enough, given to him for his wife and all seven children. That's what you can do when you walk by faith. And he goes down there. And of course, there's a lot of black people in Africa. So he was dealing with these black people. And some of these black guys were up there. A lot of white people too. And he was up there talking to these guys because they're pastors and ministers. And he had his arm around one of these guys. And some white guy come up there and he said, How dare you put your arm around that black man? He said, He's my brother. He said... But look at him. He's black. John Lake pulled him up real close and kissed him on the cheek. And that man just blew up out there. And John says, I thought you said you were a Christian. He said, I am. I'm a preacher. He said, the Word of God says you're a liar. If you hate your brother here just because he's black... If you hate that man, God says you're a liar and the truth's not in you and you, mister, are destined for hell if you don't change your ways. I'm telling you, John Lake was a bold man of God, but he knew the Word of God and he was right on. Now, that man became so powerful in his walk with God after spending all those years and starting thousands of churches in Africa, thousands of miracles and healings and salvations, he came back to the uh, northwest, and went out to Washington and Oregon, and in the next 10 years, when John Lake had the healing rooms out there, those cities in the Northwest, is still on record in America, those cities were the most healthy cities in the United States of America because of John Lake. John Lake was a man that believed that everybody could be healed because he believed God's Word. But he was a man that believed that sickness and disease was brought on by sin so he had a holiness message and people believed it and when he taught people how to get people healed, hundreds of them and he would bring a man in and he would teach him the word of God or a class of them and say now go out and find somebody go to a hospital or something, find somebody sick tell them why they're sick, what the word of God says, lead them to Christ and get them healed and if you can't get them healed, he said don't come back because if you can't get them healed you're not walking where God wants you to walk he trained thousands of men to walk all across that country out there and they got tens of thousands of people healed. And until John Lake died and that message went away out there, those cities out there in the northwest was the healthiest cities in the United States of America. And it's still on record by the U.S. government. And it, they contributed all to John Lake and his service to our king. Isn't that awesome? And how many of us never heard of John Lake. Well, let me tell you, in the Southern Baptist Church, I never heard about him. Well, they don't ever tell you about him. But let me tell you, you can read about these kind of men when you go in. In fact, I couldn't believe. I went in the other day and I thought, I'll just type healing and do what, see what it says on the Internet. And did you know, how many thousand times did we find my name in there? It was, it was in there thousands of times. Thurman Scrivener, Healing Ministry. I mean, the living Savior, I I couldn't page after page after page. I didn't have any idea that you could find us that easy by just typing healing. But I typed in Thurman Scrivener, and I even got a whole bunch of commentaries about a bunch of PhDs that wrote against me, too, that says I'm teaching a lie. Isn't that amazing? I thought, how awesome it is. Jesus had these same kind of problems, Don. So why should we sweat it? Right, Cliff? Who cares? Who cares? But if a man says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now then, as Christians, who do we have to love? Everybody, right? I mean, we've got to love it. You can't let color enter into this. It do not matter what color we are, does it, Bobby? No, we are children of God, and he made all of us his color, whether we're red, yellow, black, or white. And if you don't love people because of color, if you say, I hate somebody because he's a different color. You know, when I went to, when I was raised up here in Texas, I was raised up in a little town in Goldsway, Texas, and I never saw anybody other than a white man until I was 10 or 12 years old. And then when I saw my first black person, and I thought there's something wrong with him. Because I'd never seen anybody else. And Dad told me, you know, that's no problem, son, that's just a Negro. They're black. And I said, what? He said, oh yeah, son, they're just normal people, just different color. I said, wow, that's awesome. Oh, then I saw all the problems between the whites and the blacks in the United States when I got older. So I thought, you know, God, why couldn't you have made us all the same color? And it would have really created a whole lot less problems. Until I was older, I was getting in the military and I went to Japan. Well, I saw the little oriental yellow people. And I thought, you know, these were nice people. And so then they flew me down to Osan, Korea. Well, they're little yellow orientals to look just exactly the like. same. So I asked one of them one day, I said, you know, are you, uh, are you a Korean or are you a Japanese? And that little Korean, he bucked up and he said, what? how dare you call me a Jap? And I thought, Whoa, Lord, it makes no difference if you make us all look just exactly alike. You put us in a different place. The devil will do it. They look just exactly alike to me. It made no difference. You know what that is? That's the, that hatred that's in a person. That's the devil. That's the devil inside of a human being is causing that person to hate another person. And to me, they both looked exactly the same. They were orientals and they were both a light yellow skin. But one of them, just because one of them lived in Korea and one of them lived in Japan, they hated each other. Isn't that something? Well, the devil, it don't make any difference. Just think, the devil caused the first two brothers on this earth, one of them, to hate the other and then to kill him. And they were about the same family. Two brothers. And the devil caused one of them to kill the other one. That beast is good at what he does. And in verse 21, and the Lord says, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. Now, how can you tell if you're from God? If you love one another. If you're walking in love, you can put your arm around anybody. It don't matter who they are. Right, Bobby? Right. Making them with a red, yellow, black, or white, or whatever they are. Whether they smell good or don't smell good. <clears throat> you know, once in a while, I'm outside working real hard and, you know, get real sweaty and stinky and all that stuff, and I really find out how much my honey bunny loves me. When she comes up to squeeze me and she starts kissing me, she says, whoa, you smell awful. But then she'll lean over and kiss me anyway. <laughs> Isn't that something? But you know, we can be offensive, and, and I, I was telling something the other day, and Wendy, she thought about this, we were getting out some uh, grape juice there the other day, and And she said, Mr. Scrivener, I was down at a place over the holidays and some people came in. And one of them walked up to me and said, hi. And I thought, wow, he's been drinking alcohol. She said, I thought about what you said when you said, when we drink the grape juice, we ought to drink that. And after we drink it, we ought to say, "Ah, devil, smell that. She said, I thought about that, how that must offend the devil When we are children of God walking in obedience, when we drink that juice, when we breathe it out and say, devil, smell that. I want it to be offensive to that beast, don't you? I want the word of God to be offensive to the devil. I want that beast to stay as far from me as he possibly can. I don't want to put anything on me that will draw that beast to me. I want to walk holy in obedience to God's word. I want to walk in a God kind of love. Then 1 John chapter 3 verse 14. 1 John 3 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now what if you don't love the brethren? You haven't passed from death to life. You need to get saved. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. I mean, the Word of God is pretty clear, isn't it? If you don't love, then you need to get saved. You're still abiding in death. If you can't love your brethren, you are not born again. You have never been recreated. Is that what the Word of God says? That's what it says. Then in verse 15, Whoever hateth his brother, oh my goodness, You're a murderer. If you hate your brother, you are a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now what if somebody says, but I'm a Christian. I'm washed in the blood. But you see that old boy right over yonder? I just can't stand him. I hate him. That guy's in trouble, isn't he? According to the Word. What's going to judge you and me one day, David? The Word. When we stand, if we're not walking in the God kind of love, did you know that when you really take the Word of God and look at it at clear face value, there's a lot of people that go to church to say they're Christians that are evidently not Christians. This is scary. I mean, if you want to go to heaven... Does everybody in here want to go to heaven? Yeah, when the time comes, I guarantee I don't want to go to that alternative. Do you? Absolutely not. I do not want to go there. Well, there's some requirements that we must meet. There is, isn't there, Bobby? we got to love each other. I mean, is there times that probably every one of us done something that some of us don't like? Oh, yeah. But that don't mean we've got to get out of love, right? We still love each other and are able to walk in love and forgive each other. And there may be times you do something to me that I don't like. But I ain't going to get out of love with you. I'm not going to get out of love with you. You know, I, now everybody does things that people don't like. You know, but I'm going to stay in a love walk with you because I can. Because whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murder has eternal life abiding in him. So if we're Christians, we've got to love. If you don't love, you better examine your life. Because there's something missing. And it's Jesus Christ. Then he says, "In I want to go to uh, Exodus chapter 23, verse 25. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, we're going to get a, uh, just a, a few verses here and there. In the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23:25. I want you to see what kind of a promise God made us as children of God, under the law. Now, this is under the law. Now then, if you've studied the new covenant, which we're going to talk a little bit about, you'll have to know that this covenant of love is far superior to the covenant of the law. Far superior. Got better promises and everything. We walk in an entirely different place as Christians if we know it. But let's go back and look what was available to us under the law. And again, you will notice this is to the obedient. Now see, this is where we miss it under the new covenant. God's never changed his mind. If he expects people to be obedient and do what he says under the law... What does he expect us to do under the new covenant of love? Obedient. Right, Clip? Amen. Obedient. He's never changed his mind. To them that obey me, you have eternal salvation, he says. Well, what if you don't obey him? Then you ain't got it. You're going to die and go to hell. Well, yeah, but Lord, I'm washed in the blood, but I hate that old boy over there. I can't stand him. Well, when the day comes and that old boy dies because he hated his brother supposedly, the Word of God says, I'm sorry, but you can't come in. Uh, That's scary. I'm telling you, if I, was, if, I, if I had any doubt that I hated anybody, I'd get saved. Wouldn't you, Eldon? Yeah. Guarantee I would. Look what's available to us under Exodus 23, 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God. And he... Now, you got to serve him. See, this is back just like it. And you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water and i will take sickness away from the midst of you yes. under the law if we will be obedient to serve god who is going to take sickness away from the midst of us the lord is absolutely the lord so who is it who is it that speaks the blessing over us as obedient children or under them under the law who spoke the blessing god did just like you said god did What if they were disobedient? Who spoke the curse? God did. That's right. The curse comes from God. But who is it that fulfills the curse? The devil. That's when the devil's turned loose on you. When the devil's, when God says, okay. I'll use Cliff back there since he's sitting there. Cliff's not been a good boy lately. Devil, you can go get him for a little while. You don't want to be there, do you, Cliff? No, sir. You don't want God to speak a curse on you and turn the devil on you no more than I want him on me. Because when that beast gets turned loose on us, he does bad things to us, doesn't he, Bobby? guarantee he is the enforcer. You don't want him turned loose on you. But the Lord says, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Now then, people out here saying, well... You know, God's a blessing, God, and if you'll stand like this and do this, God will, if you'll do these certain things, God will really pour out a financial blessing upon you and bless everything you do. Well, let me tell you, God said in his word, if you'll be obedient serve me, he'll just bless you. You don't even have to ask him to bless you. He will just automatically bless you if you will serve him. And walk holy in obedience to his word. He said, I will command the blessings to overcome you and overtake you. But you've got to obey me, he says, and do what I say. Well, let me tell you, I think God knows everything we do and every thought we have every day, don't you? And so if he knows everything, then if we will do what he says, you don't have to worry about the blessings coming to you. He will just bless you. And overtake you. But see, one of the things people don't do, they don't use the right vocabulary. God told us to say good things and say what we want. Don't go around saying, oh, my old car is so wore out, it'll probably fall apart on me before I get home this afternoon. That's so negative. God ain't going to bless you using those kind of negative words. When he says, obey me and do everything I say, he says, speak my words of faith. Lord, I want to thank You that I got a nice car. I want to thank You that You've met all of my needs. I want to thank You, Lord, that You're my strength. I want to thank You, Lord, that You're my strength, and I want to thank You You said walk holy, so, Lord, I'm going to walk holy before You today. I want to thank You, Lord, that everything is mine. I want to thank You that the Word of God says that all these blessings are mine. I want to thank You that nothing's impossible with me. I can do all things. Lord, let me get out there and get somebody saved today. Get somebody healed today. Just send me somebody Use me for your glory today, Lord. I am available. Just whatever you want me to do, I'm available, Lord, to be used of you for your glory. He says, you really are? Well, good. I got something for you to do today. Guarantee. He'll send somebody your way. And when he sends somebody your way, don't say, when they come and say, I've got a need, can I talk to you in a minute? Don't say, I'm too busy. I got other things to do. Because you made God a promise. Send somebody to me and I'll take care of them today. Be ready to do what you said. He'll put you to the test. He'll put you to the test. Guaranteed, just like this guy told me the story that I told you a while ago. And he said, I'll do anything. Man, let me tell you, you failed your test. That's not what I want to hear God say. Is it you, Bobby? I want to hear him say, welcome, son, you passed your test today. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear this, you failed your test. Well, he didn't want it, but he sure did change him. I guarantee his wife told me, it sure did change the way he done business. Made a different boy out of him. In verse 26, it says, There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in the land. The number of your days I will fulfill. All you got to do is serve him. Love him. Walk in obedience to his word. And then in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Let's look at this. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, he says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. I mean, this ministry that the Lord has got. You know, I hear people all the time. They call us, they write us, they send us emails, and people that get healed or delivered or whatever, and they say, Praise God for this ministry, the Living Savior Ministries. Well, let me tell you, this ministry is God's ministry. He's the one who started, he's the one in charge of it. So he has started a more excellent ministry. We just happen to be in on a little tiny bit of it. But you know, it's wonderful to have people call you on a regular basis and say, you know, Thurman, it's so wonderful. Gloria prayed for me, or you prayed for me, or Wendy prayed for me, or Cheryl prayed for me, or whatever, and I got my prayers answered. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so awesome when we have those kind of praise reports at our little ministry. I'm grateful. But we tell you the truth. Does everybody obey the truth? Not every one of them. Some of them disobey God. All I do is tell you what the Word says. I'm the messenger boy. But I do tell you what the Word says. And I'm not bashful with the Word. I will tell you what the Word says and then we'll let God do the convicting. That's not my job. All I do is just tell you what it says. But he says here, In verse, in Hebrews 8, 6, but now has he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much more also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Did you know I was a Christian And I had served as a Sunday school teacher, and I had been a deacon, and I had been a Christian for years and years and years, until about 25 years ago, I didn't even know I had a new covenant. I had read the Bible several times, but it had never stuck that I had a new covenant and a better covenant on better promises. But when I finally began to read this thing and get a hold of all these things, I thought, how that devil has lied to me and cheated me and what he's done to me. So guess what? If that devil's doing that to me, guess who else he'll do it to? He'll do it to you or you or anybody else he can. That beast is no respecter of persons either. Anybody, he goes around like a roaring lion devouring whom he can. The Lord tells us, stand resist him how do you resist him with the word make sure your sins are repented of and when that devil comes by your house tell him you ain't coming here I ain't putting up with you I'm not walking in sin you have no nothing in me so get out in the name of Jesus in the name of you can drive him away but you got to walk in that God kind of love and when you it's easy to walk in love in church as a rule as a rule when you walk out the door, that's where the test comes. That's where the test comes. That devil, he'll try it. He'll get you. Won't he, Cliff? Yes, yeah, you know just like I do, that devil's out there in that world, isn't he, sir? Yes. Guarantee he's out there. And then in, in chapter Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, let's look back in the Old Testament again. Let's look at some of the things that was under the Old Covenant, and let's look there. And I want to see... In Exodus fifteen twenty six, and look what he said. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. If you will kind of flippantly hearken. No, that's not what he said, was it, man? No. That, that flippantly and diligently is not the same words, is it? Opposite. Totally opposite. If you will, if you. Now see, God puts this monkey on you and me. Every time it's on us. If you will diligently hearken, now diligently that means going home in the afternoon and kicking your feet up, having a good dinner with your wife, and then going in and reading the entire Dallas paper from front to back, and then watching the news at 10 to 11 and then going to bed. Oh, and I'm going to read one verse before I go to bed. That's diligently studying God's Word. You don't agree with that, do you, ma'am? I'm in agreement with you. That don't work. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight, not your sight, do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments. What is the only commandment God give us under the new covenant? Love one another. That's it. That's all you got to do is love. But he says, if you will keep His, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, how many of them? Not just one or two. Lord, this is going to be hard. I can see this from the beginning. I've got to keep all of your requirements. Wow. What if I don't know them? Am I, am I, do I have to keep them if I don't know them? Does he hold me accountable if I don't know them? Oh, my Lance. That means I better read the book then, doesn't it, Bobby? If he's going to hold me accountable for something I don't know... I mean, that's like driving down the road on the freeway. I, t- I better pay attention to the speed signs, right? right because if I go by one and it says school zone 25, and the speed limit was 55 just a minute before, and all of a sudden I see the little lights flashing, and I said, sir, can I? did I do something wrong? He said, yeah, you were driving 55. I said, but sir, the speed limit's 55. He said, well, it is except right here when that little light was flashing a while ago. You, there was a light flashing. You didn't see it? Uh, no, I didn't. If I had have, I'd have definitely slowed down. What did it say? It said, school's on 25. Okay, I'm sorry, sir. I won't never do that again. He said, I'm sure of that. Uh, yeah. Let me write you a little ticket and you take it to the judge. Since you are only doing 55, he'll probably be merciful to you. Normal fine from 25 to 55, probably only 3 to 450. That's not dollars. 300 to 450. dollars When you pay that, you'll start paying a little more attention when you drive. That can make your billfold a whole lot flatter, can't it? Wow. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, then I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. What if you don't keep those commandments and those statutes? What's, what's going to come upon you? Curses. Curses and sickness and disease. Do you know? These two couples over here know Ed Brock. You all know Ed, right? Ed was a very... They went to Lakeland Baptist Church uh, and they know Ed Brock. And when... That was my first experience in Lakeland Baptist Church with divine healing. Ed Brock had stage 4 lymphoma, terminal cancer in every organ of his body. And the doctor said he couldn't live. When I got there that night, and Ruthie told me that this was a situation, and she asked him for a 50-50 chance if he had chemo, and they said no chance. She said, how about a 95-5 with radiation? They said, no chance. He's going to die. Well... When, I, when she told me that, the Lord spoke to me in a voice that I could hear just as clear as a bell. And he said, son, tell Ed to call the men of the church to pray over him, and I will heal him. Now, me as a Southern Baptist deacon, I had never seen James 5.14 used before in my life, never in church. But when God speaks to you and tells you something, although it's already written in the Word, it carried a little more weight with me, and that built my faith mountain high, To the point that I guaranteed people, if Ed Brock would do what God said, he would get healed. I just had that much faith. I knew it would happen, and it did. Were were you at that? Were you there, David? You were there that night. You weren't. You weren't there. No, you wasn't there. But you were. Yeah. That night, I called a few men, and those men called other men, and when we got there, there was 28 men showed up to pray for Ed Brock. Whole chapel full of us, wasn't there? And we prayed over him. And Ed started getting well. He didn't get well quick, but he started getting well. And a little later, when he began to get a little better, he began to ask God, God, why me? Now, how you know, just like I did, Ed Brock, if I would have considered a good Christian, Ed was in Sunday school and church every Sunday, wasn't he? His wife Ruthie was there every Sunday, weren't they? I mean, would you have considered him a great Christian? Oh, Yeah. Dr. Ben Smith says, good Christians come to church on Sunday morning, both to Bible study and worship service. Great Christians come back on Sunday night. And he just said, super Christians come back on Wednesday night. So that'll let you know what he thinks. And I'm with him. You know, average, average Christian, they, if they go to church on Sunday, they've done their deal. I mean, some of them go to church on Easter and Christmas, and they've done their deal. I ain't got time to go the rest of the time. That's all they'll give God, one or two Sundays a year. Well, that's not enough, because Ed was there every week. Virtually never missed, did he, David? I I remember seeing him in Sunday school and church and Ruthie, and if you'd asked me, do you think this couple's a good couple, Christian, I'd have said one of the best I ever met. That would have been my David. But with God, that didn't carry no weight. Because when he went to the Lord and said, Lord, why did this terrible disease come upon me? And he took his Bible, and he dropped it, and it opened, and it opened Psalm 106. And he started reading. When he got down in there a little ways, he was telling about the children of Israel, and how they had been led out of Egypt, how they would seen his miracles, how they had done all the things. But about verse 13 to 14, he said, But they soon forgot who he was. And they didn't seek his counsel anymore. So he... And the King James says "...sit leanness of souls unto their bodies. But the NIV says he sent a wasting disease to destroy them. That was Ed's answer. When Ed and I sat down and talked a long time after that, he said, Thurman, I was there on Sunday, Sunday morning Bible study, Sunday morning worship, and I was back on Sunday night. And he said, sometimes I even come on Wednesday. But he said, when I left Sunday, Monday morning, I was Mr. Business. And I really didn't hardly even think about God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But next Sunday morning, I knew church day. But he said, I didn't put God first, but one day a week. Now then, Rosemary What if David only come home to you one day a week out of seven? Oh, that ain't going to fly, huh? That ain't going to fly. Well, it didn't fly with God either. Because the Lord spoke a curse over Ed and turned him over to the devil because he was only a Sunday Christian. Ed told me one day, he said, Thurman, I would never make that statement to the world to say that they get sick because they don't serve God I said you may not but I guarantee I will I said I'm bold with the word and if it happened to you I guarantee it will happen to another one I said see this is what we don't remember God says in his word I am a jealous God and you are to put nothing before me and we don't have a single I have never met a woman yet not one if I said you know but, in fact, we was up in Sherman the other day, and I looked back there to the married couple, and I said, I thought it was married. I said, are you all married? And she said, yes. And I said, do you love that guy? She said, yeah. And I said, well, let's just say that he comes home 364 days a year, but one night he spends it with another woman. How would that affect you? She said, he's going to need a doctor when he comes home. <laughs> I said, oh, you're going to hurt him, are you? She said, yes. I said, now isn't that unfair? He spends three sixty four with you and only one with another woman. She said, he better spend three sixty five with me. I said, Isn't that amazing? We don't have a single problem with that. All of us understand that. But we'll take God and we'll just give him the leftovers. You know? So we come see him on church on Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I mean, I'm out watching soap operas, telling dirty jokes, living in the world. God? God who? Oh, oh, somebody said, you take God's name in vain? Oh, did I take God's name in vain? Oh, maybe I did. I don't know. I'm not paying attention. But, you know, it's just the way us boys talk. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, really? And God says, oh, really? If that's the way you talk, let's see how you like a curse spoke upon you. People said, well, God wouldn't do something like that to me. Let me tell you, he will. He did it to Ed Brock. Ed Brock, did Ed Brock suffer? Yes, he suffered. And he suffered for about six months. But then he got well. But you know, as Ed and I sat many times talking about this thing, you know, when we looked at those scriptures, he said, Thurman, when I asked God, why did this terrible disease come upon me? He said, I took my Bible and I dropped it on his back cover, and it opened to Psalm 106. He said, when I got to verse 15, I knew he was talking to me. The Holy Spirit convicted him. I said, so you served him one or two days a week, and the rest you serve the world. He said, you could say that. I said, that's why you got sick. He said, well, I would never say that to anybody. I would never give a testament and tell that. But I said, that's why you got sick. Does God expect for us to serve Him? Did He say for us to put Him first in everything we do? Everything Everything we do. He's supposed to be number one. Now, just like Rosemary and David, she had no problem saying, hey, he better not come home 364 days a year to me and then one day a year to somebody else. Had he Rosemary. He's a 365 and a quarter a year man for you, right? Absolutely, and he has been for a lot of years, hasn't he? But praise God, we don't—like I said, we don't have a problem with that. But when it comes to God, we just give Him the leftovers and wonder why He gets upset. Wonder why sickness and disease comes to the church. Wonder why we're tormented, and we don't give Him hardly nothing. But He says here, we have to diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all His statutes in Exodus 15:26. Now if God demanded that we hearken to his word under the old covenant, do you think he's changed his mind in the new covenant? I don't think so. <clears throat> Let's see what happened to Saul in 1st Samuel chapter 16 when he didn't do what God says. Under the law, he was the king. Under First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. How would you like to have the, the Spirit of God depart from you, and an evil spirit from God come to torment you? You don't want that either, do you, David? No, I don't either. But is that what the Word of God says? People say, well, God wouldn't do nothing like that to me. Well, now let me tell you, he did it to Saul. If he's no respecter of persons, you know what? What Saul ticked off the king. He kept doing things that God told him not to do. And he kept doing them. And one day, he ticked off the Lord. And so the Lord pulled his spirit, and he sent an evil spirit over and said, let me see if I can get your attention with this devil. And he sent an evil spirit to torment Saul. Well, these spirits that are sent to us, they're our enemy. But we only get these fellows when we don't walk into God kind of love. Now, when we walk into God kind of love, you really don't have to be concerned about these evil spirits. Because if one of them does come by your house, all you've got to do is tell him where to go and he has to leave. He cannot stay at your house when you 're walking in the God kind of love. God tells us this in his word, but in acts ten thirty eight let 's go back to the New Testament in Acts chapter ten verse thirty eight it says, "How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him now. How was it that Jesus was able to heal the sick? Because the Spirit of God was with him. Did Jesus have any sin in his life? Not any. So if Jesus had no sin in his life, and the Spirit of God was upon him to heal the sick, and to do all these wonderful things, then if you will purify yourself from all sin and stop sinning, God will put that same Spirit upon you where you can heal the sick in his name. You can walk in that power. I only dream so far of where I want to be. You know, I only dream of being where I know is available. And I know the answer. To get there, I mean, I think of the days I have fasted and prayed in my life to get where I am. And the hours I have spent with God to be able to pray the prayer of faith for people. And I think that just every once in a while, God will do something so spectacular in my life. It will whet my appetite so. And he said, now son, if you'll just keep fasting and praying, this is just a touch of what I can do. Just a touch. I mean, you know, when I had the privilege to pray, a black man. In, in Manny, Louisiana. Th- two or three years ago. Legs crushed. Crushed. Never going to walk again. And they brought this Baptist man over there with him steel braces on his legs. And I got the privilege to walk over there and lay my hands on that man and pray for him and watch God instantly heal two crushed knees and watch that guy get up in it. Two minutes after he takes him steel braces off, running up and down the aisles of the church, streaming, God is awesome. Is that awesome? I mean, that... You know, when that happened, or like the other day, when I got the privilege to pray over the telephone for Dr. Gary Young out there in Salt Lake City, Utah, with a broken back and fell out of a tree, 35 foot tall, and I prayed the prayer of faith for him, and God instantly healed him. Didn't he, Eldon? Amen. Eldon is a good friend of his, and he knew, and right after God healed him, he went with him to Ecuador to set up a college curriculum. And they were down there, and God instantly healed that man's crushed back. You know what? I would love to be able to see God do everybody like that I touch in the name of Jesus. Wouldn't you, Bobby? Well, why is it it don't happen with everybody? Like my lovely wife says, you have not paid the price. You've not paid the price. Well, fasting and praying is where it lies. Are you willing to pay that price? Let me tell you, it's costly. You know what it takes out of your life to... Just take a week and lock yourself up or two weeks or three weeks and just don't do nothing but drink water and read the Word of God and pray. That's something else. If you haven't tried that lately, try it. It will change your life, I guarantee you. It'll change it, but it'll bring God on the scene. And you'll get to see Him do some great and awesome things. But I know, I know in the future, Cheryl told me the other day, she said, Honey, why don't you just I take a day at a time, or a week. Why don't you do something, or two or three days at a time. Just lock yourself up with God. Get in there and lock yourself up in your office. Don't let nobody in. Just stay in there day and night and pray and fast and seek God. She wants to see me walk in this power. She's seen enough. The very first weekend we got married, we went to New Mexico, to preach the Word of God. And the very first woman, she and I walked up to that night to pray over. She'd been in a wheelchair for eight years. And Cheryl got to see God heal that woman and she'd go running all over the church for over. She'd been handicapped in that wheelchair for eight years. And we got to see God heal that woman that night. I if that won't wet your appetite to serve God, let me tell you what, you, you wood's wept. Isn't that right, Don? I mean, it it, it just... I mean, it just makes me shiver and tremble to think about the privilege I've had to see God answer these prayers like that. But do you want to stay where you are? Not me. But it's costly to go on. But the things of the world, you've got to give them all up. You know, you've know, got to give up the things of the world. You've got to forget that stuff. Mm. Then Exodus chapter 23, verse 25. Exodus twenty three twenty five And you shall serve the Lord your God, and He shall bless, bless your bread and your water, and He will take sickness away from the midst of you. You know, we don't have to have sickness, do we? All we've got to do is walk in obedience to His Word. Now, as a son or a daughter of God, when that devil comes upon you with sickness and disease, you've got to take the Word and make sure you've repented of everything known to man and maybe things you don't even know and then take the Word of God and faith and drive that devil out. And if you stand on the Word of God, that devil's got to leave and you've got to get your healing as a child of God. But... Every miracle don't happen like it does with his family over here. He prayed that he, They repented. They prayed the prayer of faith. And how long did it take his little girl to get healed? Three minutes. Now, that's the way Gina would like to see God do it every time, isn't it? But he don't do it like that every time, does he? No, he doesn't. For Ed Brock, it didn't happen like that, did it, David? We prayed the prayer of faith for them that night. We went out of there that night. We didn't see God do a single thing. We didn't have a clue what was going to happen. I didn't, did you? No, I didn't have a clue. That was my first experience with anointing with all healing. Was it yours? Yours too. You were just like I was. I had never seen that done before. But that was my first experience. But I did watch Ed Brock start getting well. And I did watch Ed Brock get completely well. And when Ed went down to Houston, he started, after he started getting better, the doctor said, we don't understand this thing's going away. You can go to Houston now and take chemo and you might be at okay. And so we didn't have enough faith to know what to do, so he started going down there and taking chemo. Okay. But after he got completely welled in a matter of about six months, Ruthie had bought him the New Testament on tape, and he was listening to it going back and forth, that four-hour drive each way. That last trip down there, when the doctors checked him and said, we don't understand this, Mr. Brock. We've had several patients with the same type of chemo, or same type of uh A cancer that you had, we give them the exact same doses of chemo we gave you. You responded so tremendously, but he said, every one of them died. But you got well. We don't understand this. He goes out and gets in his car. They said, you have no cancer left in your body. No use to come back for at least six months. Ed said he was so happy. He goes out and gets in the car and starts down the road and reaches over and pushes the play button. And this is what came on. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him and anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And then he said, the tape recorder stopped. And I heard God say, Ed, it wasn't M.D. Anderson that healed you. It was me. Ed said, I couldn't drive. I couldn't see. I had to pull off the side road and stop as the tears come running out of my eyes. Is God a merciful God? Yes. And, of course, God was doing a work in Ed's life. He was doing a work in my life. I'm going to tell you, God only God knew at Baptist Church in 1986 when he healed Ed Brock what he was going to do in the fire. He was going to light in me. I'm telling you, my life was turned right side up. I'd been upside down all of my life. But right there, I got right side up. And my faith went through the roof from that day forward. And I became a non-standard Christian from that day forward. And I've never been standard anymore. (laughs) And I'm not going to be standard no more. I don't think God wants none of us to be what he calls standard Christians. In fact, he says over in the book of Revelations, he said, if you're not hot, you either better be ice cold. Because he said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. If God vomits you as a Christian out of his mouth, where do you think you're going to go? You think you're going to get to go to heaven? I don't. So we better be either be cold as ice or really on fire for him. And I'm going to tell you, if you're cold as ice and you do get there, let me tell you, you're going to get no rewards. And I can't think of nothing I'd rather do than to not do than to walk in heaven. And he say, who are you? I said, sir, I'm Thurman. Oh, yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, way down here in the back of the book. Your name is written there. No works, yeah, barely, but no works will test everything you've done. It all burns up as fire. You're saved as by fire. You can come in. Hey, I don't want to be that Christian. I don't want to be a buck private in heaven forever. I want him to say, when I get there, I want him to put his arm around me and say, Well done, son. You worked diligently for me down there on heaven. You went through all the persecution and suffering. Come in and enjoy the rewards that I prepared for you in heaven. Is that what we want to hear? That's what we want to hear. Now then. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Now this is a statement, I got an email the other day from someone, I thought this was cool, it said there was 3,000 people in the church, and three hooded, armed men with automatic rifles come running in and said, okay, anybody in here willing to take a bullet for Jesus? If you're not willing to die for Jesus, get out the door now. I said the whole choir just fled. And then it said, the preacher fled. And then it said, almost all of the congregation. And said, there was one of the preachers. One little preacher left standing up there. One. In a church of 3,000, they usually have a lot of preachers. One was left standing there. And there was 20 peoples left in the congregation. 20 out of 3,000. And so, whenever they saw it, how about you folks? You willing to take a bullet for Jesus? And they all said, yes, we'll die for Christ. They pulled their hoods off, let their guns down, said, Pastor, you can preach to them. These are real Christians. The hypocrites are all gone. <laughs> that finds out what you're made out of, wouldn't it, Rosemary? Guarantee. That'll find out. You can preach to these. These are real Christians. The hypocrites are all gone. So you can preach on now. Woo! That's kind of scary, isn't it? But here, look what Paul said in Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ but to die is gain see now if somebody walked in and said are you willing to take a bullet for Jesus I said first of all Buster let me tell you if it's not time for me to come home there ain't no bullet can hurt me so in the name of Jesus yes I'm ready if it's my time go ahead and cut me in two with that machine gun if you're ready and if it ain't ready there ain't nothing there ain't no weapon formed against me can prosper Guarantee it. I'm a man of faith, and except God's ready for me to come home. How many of you have seen that movie? What's that Chinese woman's name? Nora, Nora, Lamb. Nora Lamb. Yeah, Nora Lamb. That's, uh, that. And you know, she was over there in China preaching the gospel, and the Chinese got her and tied her to a post and put, I forget, 15 or 20 riflemen, and said, put your gun on her and kill her. And they all pointed straight at her and pulled the triggers and every gun went off and she didn't have not one bullet hole in her nowhere. You think the angels were there watching over that girl? That's an awesome story if you haven't seen that. So have you ever seen that movie? Man, you seen it? Man, I have too. It's awesome. That what people go through in the world that are Christians. Over here, we're a bunch of flakes. You know, over here, we're, we're just wimps. You know, I mean, we ask somebody to teach a Bible study class or to go pick up somebody to bring them to church. I, I ain't got time. I can't do that. I'm serious. You know, people, are they're not, they're not dedicated. So many Christians, they are not dedicated. They just will not serve God. But Paul said, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So when that becomes a reality in your life, you won't have no fear. You can drive down that freeway out there and say, Lord, I'm yours. I have no fear of nothing. If somebody says, but what if a nuclear bomb goes off in downtown Dallas? You say, hey, if it ain't my time to go, that thing cannot touch me. I'm walking in faith. I'm walking in faith. When I'm walking in faith, I'm just... Somebody said, but you know, a nuclear bomb. Hey, I got an example in the Word of God in January where three little Hebrew children said, the God we serve is well able and He will deliver us through that fire. You hear any faith in that statement? The God we serve is well able and He will deliver us through that fire. So... If somebody comes in with sickness and disease today that's a Christian, you say, the God I serve promised in his word to heal me. Devil, I'm kicking you out in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to get my healing because Jesus has already provided it for me as a daughter or a son of the king of the universe. And when you stand on his word, I guarantee he'll show up for you just like he did Dave Rosenfeld, just like he did for this young man and his little daughter over here. He'll show up for you just like he did for them. But if I live in the flesh, verse 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Why, when a Christian dies, do people cry? We should rejoice. We get to go home to be with Jesus. If we've lived out our life and we've served God, we ought to be praising the King. Now, if one of us dies early, that's not the same thing. I mean, you know, we're supposed to be here with long life. But every once in a while that devil will slip in there and take one of us out. And we don't get a long life. He'll take you out in many different ways. Nevertheless, in verse 24, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Now then... Every one of us as Christians walking the love walk with God should be walking in that place so that everywhere we go and people we minister to, they're stronger in faith and there's more people saved and healed because we were here on this earth. You know, I can think I served as a deacon at Lakeland Baptist Church, as a Sunday school teacher and everything for years. And I'd been a Christian for at least 25 years by this time. And you know how many people I had led to Christ? Zero. You know how many people I'd got healed? Zero. You know how many demons I'd cast out? Zero. What's wrong with me as a Christian? I didn't know what this book taught. I didn't believe what this book taught. But when I got a hold of what this book teaches, oh, glory to God, how much fun life has been. But Cliff, Your Baptist preacher says, you can't have a demon. I got tickled at Cliff. We had a demon manifest in a woman right here on Sunday night. Mm. And the next Sunday morning, his preacher preached over in that Southern Baptist church and said, a Christian can't have a demon. Cliff said, you got to be too late, Pastor. He said, I was at another church last Sunday and I saw a Christian woman, a demon manifest when a pastor was kicking, getting her healed. And a demon manifest, it took three men to hold her down. He said, let me tell you, I saw a demon manifest in a Christian. Yes, a Christian can have a demon. And, yes, you can kick him out. Praise God. It was something. We, we only had about 30 or 35 people here that night when we were at the end of the prayer session. But there was still, I guess it was 30 or 35 here still. And when I prayed for this one woman, when the demon manifested in her, and she went wild. And it took three men to hold that little woman. She was screaming, kicking, doing all kinds of things. But no problem. No fear. We just stayed with it. And that devil said, oh, I'm coming out of her. I said, oh, yes, you are, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. And so we, we, saw, we had a little battle there. But between the three men and everything and men of faith, we got that little girl set free. Praise God. Verse 40, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Philippians chapter 1, we just finished that. And that's the same place we should walk in our love walk with Christ so that we have no fear of dying. Nothing should bother us. Our desire should be to serve the Lord and not for the world. We should absolutely be so filled with the Holy Spirit that when we do things in the name of Jesus, every one of us as Christians, when somebody calls your name, they say, Bobby, Bobby who? That's that crazy Christian guy. Always talking about Jesus. Wow, what a way to be known, huh, Bobby? Amen. That's the way we want to be known. We don't want to be, oh, that's the guy that tells the dirty jokes. No, 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 no. Not not a Christian. We don't want to be known like that. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 40. You shall keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command you this day, that it may go well with you. Well, what if you don't keep his statutes? That means it may not go so well with you. I like to have good days, don't you? Well, then we better think about keeping God's commandments. That it may go well with you and with your children after you. Well, then what if we don't do it God's way? Does that mean that it may bring something upon our children? If you got off into unforgiveness, could it possibly create a problem with your child? (laughs) It can, can it? And it ain't no fun when you see that little five-year-old daughter... With all them deals all over her body, does it? Oh, it, it will! It will definitely straighten you up when you learn the problem, the consequences. Nobody wants to see their precious little children afflicted like that by a demon. Guarantee it. And it will go. And with your children after thee, and that you mayest prolong your days upon the earth. Oh, that means if I don't do what he says, it could shorten my days on the earth? Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Just think, God told us under the new covenant, children, obey your parents. Did he say that under the old covenant too? Yes, he did. He said, children, obey your parents. And what was the consequence or the blessing that went with that? If children obey their parents, what did he say? They'll have a long life on the earth. So then if they obey their parents and honor their parents, they'll have a long life. If they don't obey and honor, then what does that mean, Bobby? Short life. Short life. I mean, hey, I don't take a rocket scientist from me and you to figure that out, does it? If we disobey, it will bring a demon into your life which will cause sickness and disease and not only a tormented life, but a short life on the earth. I mean, there's a lot of children... That is going to suffer immensely that have no idea why they're suffering and why they're going to die prematurely. And it's because they've not been told when they were in church that when God speaks, He means business. I mean, you better honor Him and do what He says because He's God. And nobody tells God what to do. He is the boss. He tells us what to do, and when we don't obey Him, it makes no difference how young or how old we are, does it, Cliff? He can really get mine your attention, can't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he can. Cliff, no, he doesn't make it difference we're young or old. We are older. We're not old. We're older. But he can still get our attention, can't he, Cliff? He they get mine, too. And he says that it will prolong your days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. So now then, Proverbs chapter three, verse sixteen. We've got just, just a couple more verses in the book of Proverbs and we're going to quit. Proverbs three sixteen. Proverbs three sixteen says, Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Wisdom. Wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Everybody I ever met on the earth would love to have long life and riches and honor while they're here, wouldn't they? Sure, everybody wants that. Well, if you want it, guess how you can get it? By studying and obeying and meditating on God's Word and putting Him first. Then he says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 11, Proverbs 9, 11, it says, For by me, God, your days shall be multiplied, and the years of your life shall be increased. That's if you're obedient. If you obey him in Proverbs 9, 11, For by me, God, your days shall be multiplied, and the years of your life shall be increased. Now then, I've never met a human being that didn't want to walk in long life and prosperity. I mean, if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Everybody would love to have your needs all met. You'd love to have money in the bank so you didn't have to worry about where your next meal or your next house payment comes from. It would be so nice to have a good job or being business for yourself, that you stayed busy enough, and the resources, the finances come in, so you didn't have to even be concerned about what am I going to do about making the house payment, or what am I going to do about making the car payment? Oh God, Lord, if you don't do something this month, I'm in trouble. No, if you're diligently obedient to serve the Lord your God and to do what He says, He said, I will prosper you in whatever you put your hands to. Is that what he said? That's what he said. So, if we're obedient to serve him, and he promised that he would take sickness and disease away from us, and satisfy us with a long life. Now, that, that means exactly what it says about diligently seeking God and putting him first. A lot of people in church don't do that. A lot of people give God one day a week, or one hour a week. I mean, if you give God one hour a day, a lot of them think, man, I've really, really done my duty. I give him an hour. No, but he says we're supposed to meditate on the Word day and night. You know what I do? The first thing, I can wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, need him to go to the bathroom or something. And you know what the first thing is on my mind when I wake up? Jesus. You know what I mean, don't you? Lord, I am so grateful that everything in my body is working perfect, so I need to go to the bathroom. I'm glad everything works perfect in there. I mean, if it don't work, you're in trouble, right? Yeah. Guarantee. I mean, you know, I I, I I don't let this sound gross, but you know, I it's time to and I go sit down on the stool. You know? And I said, Lord, I'm sure glad that everything in my body's working perfect. I'm glad it's taking all the nutrients out, putting all the stuff out there, and that stuff's passing right on through my body. I'm so glad that everything works perfect in my body. Amen. Somebody said, Well, I ain't never said nothing like that. Well you need to start. And he started praising and thanking. Him. All you gotta do is if it don't work, you can be in big trouble. So if you praise him constantly in in everything you do, in everything you do, I mean everything you do as a son or a daughter of the king, we should be praising the king. For, I mean, you wake up in the morning, if you praised Him, you ought to look, put your arm around your mate and pat her on the back and say, Lord, thank you. You can say that silently. You can say it out loud. If she's asleep and you don't want to wake her up, then say it silently. Say, Lord, thank you for my mate. Thank you, Lord. I'm grateful that you sent me a mate. Lord, I ask you to watch over her today and protect her and keep her safe in everything she does. And then pray over your children. Go out and get in your car. Turn around and look at your home and say, Oh Lord, I'm so grateful that I got a place to sleep. I'm so grateful for this bed I slept in last night. Oh Lord, somebody said, You know, that old bed, you've been sleeping in that old bed 30 years. Say, Praise God, and I'm glad I got that old bed to sleep in. Praise the King. When He gets ready for me to have another one, He'll send me another one. But until then, I'm going to praise Him for the one I got. I ain't sleeping on the ground. If I was, I'd praise Him for the ground. You know, you praise Him in everything. And one of the things we as Christians really do, I got tickled the other day when I, went, when I prayed for that Dr. Gary Young out there in Salt Lake. He was telling us, he, he flew us out there, Cheryl and I both, for two days. We went out there and taught him and his family the Word of God for two days. And one of the things he said, we were going to eat at a big restaurant. And their bishops or whatever they call those guys, their pastors of their churches, of course, he's a Mormon. You know, he's a Mormon. He's a Mormon. And so he goes to that big Mormon tabernacle church out there. He said they were going to go down to some kind of a restaurant or something. And they went in the other night. And a whole bunch of them, 15 or 20 or 30, whatever it was, and the the pastors or whatever. And they come in and said, everybody got their meal and everybody just started eating. And I said, hey, let's stop. We have not blessed the food. And the pastor said, we blessed the food outside in the parking lot because we're afraid we will offend somebody in here. Well, let me tell you. I, we ain't going to sit down in no restaurant and bless our food silently. You know? In fact, you know, I, I, I just, I just, I desire the day that I could get like Smith Wigglesworth. He'd walk into a restaurant in London, England. He'd walk in and sit down at Sirson, and he'd stand up and say, anybody in this place bless this food yet? And said so there'd be people all over the place that everybody there stop eating and bow their head. And he said, Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, these people come in like a bunch of pigs and started eating. And nobody blessed the food, so Lord ask you to forgive this bunch of them. And he said, Lord, bless them all now, the rest of that food, what they got in them said, Bless them in the name of Jesus and said so he'd sat down and everybody go back to eat and said, nobody said a word. They knew the power he walked in. I mean, if you needed to get healed, you come see Smith Wiggles guarantee you could get healed. But see, he walked in that God power. And everywhere he was, God was there. And when he stood up to say something, God fell on that place. And everybody just immediately bowed their head because they knew the anointing that walked, that he walked in. That's where every one of us should desire to be. And if we walked in that, we wouldn't have to worry about the world knowing whether we were Christians or not. They'd be wanting what we got. We wouldn't have to worry about these stupid programs they're putting on NBC. Nobody would want a program like that if the church was walking in the power we're supposed to be walking in. They'd want what we got, not what they got. You know, here we are. Just like a nurse said one day, I was down to pray for somebody. And she said, I said, I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray for him. I said, are you a Christian? She said, no. I said, why not? She said, you people ain't got nothing we don't have. She said, I see Christians come in here all the time sick and afflicted. I said, well, you're looking at one right here that don't get sick. She said, well, I don't know you, but you do look pretty healthy right now. I said, well, let me tell you, ma'am, I don't get sick because I walk in the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that word. She said, well, let me tell you, when all of the church, when they stop, Christians stop coming down here with sickness and disease and moaning and groaning, that's when I'll decide y'all got something I want. And I thought, what a shame. What a shame. We need to be walking in God's anointing. Don't we, Bobby? Amen. We need to be walking in divine health. We need to be walking in holiness. We need to be walking, serving the living God. So that wherever we walk, when we pray, He does what we ask Him for. And He, we get to see these things. I'm going to tell you, with well, that group of Mormons I talked to out there the other day, I had a captive audience. But they believe what I taught because I came out there with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I had a man sitting there that was listening that had a broken back the day before and today he's miraculously healed and running and playing. You get their attention when you do that. You know it. You get their attention. But that's where all of us ought to be walking, isn't it? Eldon walks there. He gets to see God do lots of things. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, that You're so wonderfully real and awesome. Father, I ask You to open our hearts and our minds to these magnificent things so that every one of us can walk in this God kind of love, so that we will love every human being we come in contact with, so that they will know that we're sons and daughters of Yours. And then, Lord, as we pray with people and talk to people, may a demonstration of Your Spirit's power be there, to save the lost, to heal the sick, to do all the things that, to deliver the captive, to set them free. And may their lives be forever changed when we pray the prayer of faith for them so they will know that you live through us. And we praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.